Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio, and we're here to talk about a fun one this week because Tottenham didn't just win, they won by a lot. 6-2 against Leicester City at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and I am joined by my co-host from the wilds of Southern America to talk about it. Coming to us from the slopes of Miami, it's Brian Ashlock, and he's raring to talk about the rebirth of Hunmin Son. Right, Brian? Yep, Hunmin Son, Wingbacks, Davinson Sanchez, all of it. We're going to talk about. Would, would you say you're geeked to talk about Davins and Sanchez? Geeked, zooted, all of it. <laughs> and then coming to us from you know the, the hazardous streets of East Atlanta, it is Ben Daniels. Ben, what are you geeked to talk about this week? Uh, the return of Kulishevsky to the starting lineup, and you know him holding it down on the streets. Uh, um, obviously, Hungman's son's emotional crybaby performance on the pitch. <laughs> Well, let's not waste any time. Let, let's start with the man of the hour. It is uh, Hunmin Son. It, it, he really kind of blew up in this game. Uh, Brian, was it uh, was it as simple as running at tired legs? Was this uh, a uh, emotionally manipulative masterclass from Antonio Conte, or was this just going to happen sooner or later? Uh, I mean, I think it can be all three, honestly. Um, especially the emotionally manipulative. Lawyered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think... I think we talked about in the last podcast that, you know, we were frustrated because so many of our bad matches had involved basically the same personnel and the same tactics and not making substitutions. And it just didn't look like we were trying things. And then so to come into this game and see, you know, some different stuff in the lineup, specifically benching Hungman's son, you know, Romero not in the starting lineup, uh, Perisic being played on the right. It actually made it feel like Conte had listened to our show specifically, of course, um, but just was like actually had come to the 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 realization that, you know, continuing to try the same thing with this group of players wasn't going to work and there had to be something. Um, and so whether it was Hong Min Sun getting to run at tired legs or those tired legs just being unwilling and unable to close him down in certain moments, whatever it was, it worked amazingly well. Uh, and he had, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of another like 20 minute or less hat trick from Spurs in the last, I don't know, five or six years. I'm sure I'm forgetting one that was also by Sun or some really cool Harry Kane one, but like that was as good a 15 minute stretch as, as we've seen from any player in a while. Well, it, the, the crazy thing about it is the way it started is it was kind of more of the same from Sun and that he was getting the ball trapped under his feet. He was messing up a few transitions and then, like, all of a sudden, he hit that one goal, and, like, you know, he was back to what we love about Son, which is just, like, he doesn't miss, and he he's dangerous every time he, he gets on the break. It was it was really kind of a weird performance, and you, you sort of hope it's just, you know, I, I know every Spurs fan of any stripe has been talking about, well, he just needs to get that goal, and it's going to open up for him. And, I mean, I didn't quite see it happening like this, but it sure did. 
Yeah. And, you know, we had talked last time we potted about, you know, what's the best way to get Sun firing on all cylinders again? Is it just playing through the pain and waiting for it to happen? Or does he need some kick in the pants? And I don't know that we've solved that riddle conclusively, but it certainly worked out in a way that suggests maybe some time on the bench was, was good for him, whether that's tired legs reasons or mental reasons. But I think seeing him get that goal and just like visibly crying on the field was just, I, I don't know. It was, it was tough to watch because I feel like I, there have been Spurs fans who have been, I think a little harsher than necessary to a guy who has given us as much as Hungman's son has uh, in their criticisms of his performance and their callings for him to hit the bench for Charleston. Um And, you know, he's just, he's just such a beautiful, wonderful person. Uh, he he doesn't deserve that. He's, he's, <laughs> he's so wonderful that a teammate of his who wasn't his teammate until four months ago got a yellow card to run on the pitch and celebrate with him. So I think that tells you just how beloved Sun is in the squad. Yeah, um, and I think even the most critical fans, you know, online and elsewhere were just thrilled for him to see that. So he's He's honestly, in a lot of ways, I think this is a vindication of our transfer, at least that part of our transfer policy because you know you don't have to stick with something you can try this you can give different looks and i don't think um richarlson was blowing the doors off in the first half but he was you know a respectable it was a different approach it you know I, I don't know how worried we are about saving legs right now but certainly you know it's a few less miles on son's legs i mean it does allow us to try something different and it does allow us to do different looks against different teams which we'll get to we really did that for once this year in a minute but you know, it is nice that Sun doesn't have to carry the load because, like you said, who knows how this would have gone if it was just like, well, you know, it's behind you. We've got some, like, Dutch teenager on the bench. So, you know, figure it out, pal. Uh, he did get a week to, like, brood on the bench and or 70 minutes to brood on the bench. And I don't know if that's the reason he scored, but it certainly seems to have helped. Yeah, and I, you know, there are certain people out there that are calling for him to just now be the super sub because of this one game. I think that's like that's counterproductive to to you know our team's success on the whole. And if we're gonna be using someone as a super sub, I think Kulisevsky or Richarlison both fit that role uh, better than than Sun does, especially Richarlison because he can do so many different things and just loves to chase down like lost causes, which is as we've already seen this season, it's kind of valuable late in games. Um, But yeah, I I think, I think honestly the, the benching itself probably didn't have that much, you know, mental effect on sun. I think that's a cut, a cool talking point for like pundits and stuff, but it's just like, he's a professional and the Conte would have explained the decision to him, would have been like, hey, we're just rotating. We've got Champions League. We've got, you know, international breaks. We've got all these things like, you know, we're just going to try something different. Yeah, You know, I, I don't. I don't think that none of the video that we saw of him on the bench seemed to suggest that he was, in fact, brooding or I mean, pouting. He didn't look I mean, he was a little brooding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I, he just – that's just his look. Like, he has the those eyes. And he's, he's smiling all the time, right? <laughs> I mean, he, I looked, he looked positively evil for him on the bench. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just – I'm just not inclined to think that, like, you know, there was that much emotional manipulation. It was just, like, 
you know, we're just going to try something different, man. And then we're, you're going to get to play in this game. Uh, you know, I think the only way Sun doesn't get to play in this game is if I don't know we were already ahead nine to nothing. Oh, I think he's, I think he's definitely. I think you're right. I think there's no way he doesn't play in this game because I think he that that he would definitely be sent on if we were like blowing him up early and go so, get some garbage goals, Sun. Like exactly. So it's just like you know, there, there's no there there has to have been communication between him and Conte where he's like he's like all right, just for sixty minutes, just chill. I heard I can't remember what podcast. It wasn't a Spurs podcast. It was a general football podcast, and someone like compared it to how he treated Erickson when he got to Inter. And I absolutely don't think that's what's going on here. Um, you know, clearly this is a player who's a little bit out of form, and you know, competing if you want to call it that with a player who is in form. And I think it's just changing it up, giving it a different look. And I think you know the fact that, like I was saying earlier, it's nice that Son is a super sub. While that's not something as an ongoing concern, I'd like to see. But the fact that it is a realistic and not insane option for us is like probably not a bad thing. Uh, I mean, definitely you could tell. Like on his first goal, I think the safe option would have been. I think it was Hoiberg who was running on the left, right next to him, and it wouldn't have been the easiest thing in the world. But sort of lay it off to him would have been. You know, I'm not sure Son ever does that, but certainly yesterday there was, or uh, on Sunday there was, or on Saturday rather, there was no way he was going going to. Yeah, I can't remember what day of the week. Friday, it was. maybe. Who knows? Yeah, you know, not um, Thursday. We don't play on Thursdays. Um, <laughs> but there was no way Son was ever going to do that. Definitely, there was no way it was happening that day. I mean, he just took that thing from distance, and you know, nine times out of ten, that doesn't go in, no matter how good a form he's in, and it was just really. Very delightful to see him just completely unload on, frankly, a pretty woeful Leicester team. There was a pretty awful, I thought, some pretty awful keeper play out of, I think Ward was the name of their keeper. Yeah, he's terrible. They sold Schmeichel and didn't replace him with anybody. And they're just like, this guy sucks. He's going to be our goalkeeper. Were any of the Suns' goals because of his crappy keeping, though? Like, I was thinking about it. His third goal kind of, like, went under him and popped up um, a better deep. I don't think he hit that one very well, and a better keeper probably stops that. Yeah, but, I mean, like, not as much as our first two goals, I feel like a better keeper probably stops those. That's that. Um, But, yeah, no, good for Sonny. I'm really glad he goes into the international break and doesn't have to, like, stew about it for two two more weeks. Uh, Because we all know the real Spurs tradition is stewing over shit in an international break. Um Ben, I, again, yeah. as our resident ray of sunshine on this podcast, I am curious, what, what did you think of Spurs' performance overall in this match? Yeah, it's it's funny because we won 6-2, but, like, we also weren't that good. Well, um, we were and we weren't. I mean, I, mean, yeah, I think we were really good in the second half, by and large. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they gave up. The game was over. But... I think we were good before that, game, is what I mean. I think I think we were... I think, you know, the I don't know. I thought I thought it was a decent second half. I thought there were it was up and down in the first half, but yeah, it wasn't necessarily a six two victory. I didn't realize this podcast was hosted by a ventriloquist who asked me questions and then answers them himself. That's pretty cool. It is, isn't it? <laughs> People complain about our audio quality, but you have no idea what, what kind of bells and whistles <laughs> we have to go through to pull that off. Uh <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Tell us yeah, how you really like, feel, Ben. We got in a halftime. It was 2-2. You know, the Davidson Sanchez penalty is just, that's what Davidson Sanchez is there for. Like, I don't blame Conte or the team or whatever. It's just, of course, we finally bench Emerson Royale and put put in my other nemesis um, to, to dig us a big hole. And 
Um, you know, credit to the guys, they dug themselves out of it, but it was a real back and forth half. And, you know, I think a big part of that was Perisic on the right looking very at sea. Um, and I guess he said himself that he is not comfortable defending from that side of the pitch for whatever reason. Um, and he looked at it. He looked uncertain in how to orient his body to the pitch and how to, you know, track runners and, you know, which foot to lead on when he was trying to defend um, guys dribbling at him. But the flip just, side of that was, that's so yeah, weird. it's so weird. So like, weird. Look, I'm obviously not a professional soccer player, a professional athlete in any capacity, but you would think that you just flip it and it's not that hard. Like, I, I don't, I, it must, Especially when must you're, be like, that nuance. two-footed. Like, we see guys who, like, you know, you play, like, son on the left and son on the right. They don't look the, like the same guy. But that's a lot to do with footedness and, like, the angles of approach to the goal. With a guy that's two-footed as Parasitch especially, it should just be the same. But, but it, I mean, you I talk about it. It's angles of approach. How are guys attacking you? How are, you know, how are you oriented to the rest of the team? I mean, it's – I think it's funny because a lot of times on here – on here, on other Spurs podcasts, on Twitter, in bars, Spurs fans will just be like, oh, why doesn't, you know, Bentaleb play left back? Or, you know, like, like crazy wow. stuff gets, I mean, crazier stuff than that gets, like, put out there where it's like, oh, why don't we play Kane as a midfielder? You know, stuff like that. And it's like, no, these things are probably a little bit harder than we give them credit for. Like, these things have probably been considered or what have you. It was, it was just, it was interesting to see how much he struggled, but. You know, if you always yeah. play left back, that's not the craziest thing in the world. Yep. But the flip side is that his delivery was still good. He was still a threat down the flanks. He was still an outlet. And having him and Sessegnon on the pitch helped make, you know, the the channels a much more active part of the game for us than they had been. Um, but, we, you know, without Romero and without Royale, that side of the pitch was suddenly a lot more defensively suspect. And because we were kind of running and gunning a little bit, um, yeah, they had plenty of good looks. Um, that said, you know, the, the goals in the first half were all a bit stupid. It was a, a penalty, two set pieces, and then Madison pulled one out of his ass, uh, which was a very good strike to his credit. But like, did, he hit, did he hit that on his thigh, or did I make that up? Because it looked like he didn't hit the ball cleanly, and it just kind of popped it in the net. Oh, I don't know. But whatever it was, it was a goal out of nothing that, you know, we weren't, like, broken down too badly. He got the ball in the box and took a shot on a tight angle. And, you know, it was a four-goal half with, I don't think, any great feeling of conclusions that could be drawn about how we were as a team and what to do, you know, to fix it or not fix it. And then, yeah. Second half got a lot better. I, I want to before that... we move move too far off of this. I want to take a minute to talk about how stupid the the VAR on the Hugo save was. Now, obviously, I'm saying this because I'm a Spurs fan and that was a good save and it should have stood. But like, all I can think about after that was like, you know, Henderson when we played it was H- Henderson when we played Forest, right? Like, yeah, he was like halfway off his line. Lo- way further off his line when he saved Kane's penalty, or at least that's what my memory tells me. Like, that never gets called. I mean, I did not think Hugo was wildly off his line. It's ridiculous that that gets called. Yeah, I mean, the new rule is basically what? That they have to have, like, some part of at least one foot on the line when the kick is taken, and I'm like you. I, I don't think I've seen that really enforced across 
the rest of the league all season. Henderson was doing spaghetti legs off his line when he when he caught Kane's ball, or it felt like it. I mean, yeah. So I, I mean, it's annoying, and then you know, it's also annoying that then Tielemans gets to retake it and hit a significantly better penalty the second time around. Like he actually puts that one in the side. Well, you know what happens when he gets two bites at the apple. Yeah. And he loves apples or well, any food really. Candy. He loves caramel covered. Yeah. 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 Probably less so on the, on the apples and carrots and healthy snacks. Um, But yeah, um, just kind of to, to Ben's point about, you know, the first half, not really kind of yielding, who was really on top one way or the other. I think I'd prefer that kind of first half though, as opposed to some of the drudgery we've had to watch the last couple of weeks. Like I would rather us get caught out because we are, you know, running and gunning and doing counterattacking stuff and, you know, creating chances and, and have us look eh, and then still manage to win a game six two. Like, if we're going to look, eh, we ought to score six goals doing it. Like, that's uh, significantly preferable to what we have been doing, I think. Um, it's extremely it, fun. Yeah. It's extremely horrible. Yeah, and so, like, you can look back at it and you can go, well, if you look at the stats and you expected goals, we didn't actually win by that much. And, like, whatever, that's fine, but we still scored six goals, so who cares? Um, <laughs> I think I think my takeaway from, you know, the first half was I, I continue to be really impressed with our set pieces. Um, just, you know, our, our, our set piece defense is significantly better than it has been in the past, but just like the stuff we're doing in terms of the routines and, and changing the point of delivery and, uh, everything is, uh, it's great. And I mean, maybe it's just great because like Lester are so bad, but we've been doing it against everybody else to the point where we're like london stoke city at this point like we're i mean we're just all right getting a, a goal from a set piece all the time i'm struck by and I, this week was another great example I, I keep getting struck by how often kane's getting loose in the box like he's getting he's either getting his head on the ball or he's unmarked and it's just considering it's harry kane who's not exactly bad at heading the ball it's a little crazy that he keeps getting free on these and i think it's a testament to how we're running these set pieces this year. Well, and I think it's 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 also like you have a coach, which a coach for set pieces, it, this should not be that revolutionary. But you have a guy who's like, hey, who's really good at finishing? And you go, Harry Kane. And they're like, okay, now we're going to design patterns and plays to just make his marker lose him or, you know, put him at the far post so that, you know, when we get this near post flick on, Harry Kane's there. Like, the fact that we weren't doing that or we were doing some simplified version of it where it's just like, just kick it in the middle and if Harry's standing there, he'll hit it. Like, that's incredibly stupid. Like, the way we had been doing it is so dumb. And now we have a coach who's, like, just designing stuff where Eric Dyer and six other people just converged at the near post and headed the ball into the goal. Like, regardless of Danny Ward doing an absolutely horrible job. This this is great. Like this is the, the, we were wasting corner kicks for years, whether it was on Erickson's shitty delivery or on, you know, just not having guys get into the proper places or just not having any sort of aerial prowess or whatever. And this year we're just like making like our corners now feel dangerous. And that was one thing that, like, watching Spurs for years, when other teams got corners, you were always like, ah, 
fuck, how are we going to concede from this? But now when we get corners, it feels like, oh, shit, we might score from this. And it's 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 crazy because it's the only thing that if you're a coach, you can 100% control on the training ground. You know, it's, you know, I mean, obviously you can't account for their team's defense, but you can run those patterns in a way that, you know, okay, we're going to work on our, you know, back and forth as we go down the pitch. And that's not going to always come off in the way that it is, but you can practice those set pieces and get, get your patterns down. Exactly. And it's just crazy that more teams don't do this. And I think not to take anything away from, you know, the excellent set piece coaching, but Perisic on corners is just what a, what a delivery that guy has from open play too, but his corners have been fantastic this season. Um, I'm just so glad he's here. I think, uh, and I think this works as a transition to the second half, a player that I, I, I think is getting lost a little bit in the love fest for Son is Bentoncourt, who I thought had by far his best um, performance of the season. I thought he was fine in the first half. Frankly, I think some of the reason, Brian, you were talking about I'd rather watch a first half like that than some of our other first halves. I thought our midfield for all their other issues in terms of stopping play going through them and other things they were doing maybe not so well. They were getting the ball up the field a little bit better than they had been, and I think Bentoncourt in particular was doing that. And in the second half, I thought, I mean, he was, I mean, he was great. He was picking pockets. That, and I think that, at least two of the goals were came as a direct result of Bentoncourt picking another player's pocket and just doing an excellent job of breaking up play in the second half. And I thought his passing was a lot crisper in this game than we've seen it all year. And it's kind of, it's. I thought this this was the kind of performance that made him such an effective part of our team last year. Yeah, I, I mean, he's played such a weird and safe role kind of to start the season where Hoiberg has been being the more adventurous one who's been finding himself pushing higher up the pitch, found himself in the box a lot more often. And I don't know if it was a purposeful decision from Conte to um, – you know, try to get him more forward or to ask Bentoncourt to to press more or be more aggressive from his central midfield position, or if it was just that's just kind of how this game worked out. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the the he gets the steal for um, his own goal that he that he ends up uh, getting his first goal for Spurs on, and then I think it's the it's either the second or the third Sun goal. Um, where he gets the he he get after we switched formations, and, and he gets the the, the tackle and, and wins the ball and um, yeah I mean he's just good and it it's been a really weird start to the season for him where he's just been pretty anonymous and our midfield's been pretty bad and this was kind of the first game where he stepped up and like exerted some influence on the game. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know how much of that has to do with the way Leicester set up in midfield and the lack of pressure from Thielmans and Dewsbury Hall on them compared to some of the other midfields we've played. Um, you know, and, and Didi, for the guy who is, was a few years ago, like, the next Conte and, like, one of the best defensive midfielder prospects in, in the Premier League, just had an absolute shocker. Um and let them run all over him. Um, but, you know, you only play the team in front of you, and they both, I think Hoiberg also, like, took advantage of it pretty well and got forward and picked passes forward. Um, I mean, he's, he set up one of Son's goals as well, um, if I'm remembering correctly. But, uh, 
Yeah, good day for all the things that we complained about to kind of help happen a little bit better than they had been. So, and then Ben, as if just answering your prayers, we changed up our midfield formation. Uh, talk a little bit about what that brought to the team. Yeah, I mean that also helped that sort of mismatch um, we were talking about and gave them both freedom. But we brought on Basuma for Kulishevsky, um, which you know I. I first blush looks like a negative change. You're taking off an attacker for a defensive midfielder, but, you know, giving us three bodies in midfield to match up better with their three guys and let Betancourt and, and Hoybier off the leash a little bit um, right in time for Sun to be on the pitch as well, running into space. Um, I think, yeah, just gave us a new look and a, a new ability to, uh, attack Leicester in ways that we were maybe not as comfortable doing in the first half. I definitely like that change to bring Basuma on and go three in the midfield and 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 move Bentoncourt kind of more out to the right side. I like that more when we have the lead. Uh, I don't like that as a we're chasing the game and want need to mix something up change because I just don't I, I none of those midfielders to me are really like creating anything if another team is sitting off and not attacking um but you know where where another team is trying to get the ball forward trying to create stuff you know having um three guys who are capable of kind of being all over place breaking up play um and and then you know getting it to your fast guys uh is a great way to close out games um and and i thought you know Basuma didn't really do much of anything, but, and, you know, Conte's kind of been talking about him in the last week about how he needs to improve defensively and he needs to do this, that, and the other. Um, I thought Basuma was fine, um, but it was, it was really just like his presence in the middle and just kind of like general positional awareness that really, uh, like Ben said, freed up uh, Bentoncourt and Hoybjerg to go actually do stuff and go hunting for the ball. And that worked out great for us. Brian, I'm not sure I agree because in terms of using this only when we're up, because I mean, I see the benefits of that, but you know, the way that it let Bentoncourt and Hoybjerg off the leash, I thought was a bit, I wasn't prepared for that. And I could see where that, you know, if we need to sort of grab a game by the scruff of the neck, that could be really advantageous to us. I just think my thing is, is like, what are, what does Bentoncourt slash Hoybjerg grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck look like? And like, I, I don't. I don't want to see that. Uh, you know, if it's if it was Ericsson or um, you know, I don't know any other competent like more attack-minded midfielder, I would agree with you. But you're basically playing guys, two guys that are six slash eights in that role, as opposed to someone who is a eight slash ten. And you know, Hoiberg does some creative stuff. He does it with Denmark, but like. Is that what you want being the central creative thing when you're chasing a game? I don't think so. I mean, I guess the thing is, is is less about their individual abilities than it is on how it changes the shape of our attack. And, you know, right now we are moving a lot through the wing backs to the wide forwards or getting the ball to Kane higher up the pitch to be that sort of creative fulcrum. Um, and this allows that that look to transform into, you know, a lot more thrust from the midfield. Let's Kane kind of stretch higher um, or come deeper without as much attention from midfielders. Cause there's 
guys closer to him. Um, you know, it, it gives us the opportunity to try and pick a lock from from a different angle than, you know, if we're just like getting down the flanks and crossing it and it's not going well. Uh, and especially you know, if it's you nice can, to have another plan B. If you can turn it over in their midfield, bring it up. And in theory, they're, you know, that that's only one defensive line you got to go through and all that. I guess the trade off is you have to lose either an attacker like Richarlson or uh, Son, or you have to lose a guy like Kulashevsky, who's probably the best player on our team at picking a lock. So, you know, it, uh, what I like, again, I'm not sure this is the answer to all of our problems, but I like that it's another look because. If there's been an issue and with Spurs, it's that we kind of just keep doing the same things over and over. I know a lot of Conte is just like, okay, you guys are going to figure this out. When it works, it's going to work. But I do think there's some importance to just being able to change it up on a team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think being able to change it up is certainly not bad. I'd, I'd be interested to see us, you know, run that formation out there to start games. I think, you know, we've all been talking about a 3 5 2. Uh, for ever since Conte, ever since we hired Nuno, um, you know, we thought like, oh, we've got a, a system and players in place that can run a three-five-two. Um, so I would like to see more of it. But you know, it was certainly in this game, it was very effective. And um, again, I don't, I don't know if that's Leicester or uh, if that was just us, but it worked. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it would be nice to maybe find out if Kulishevsky can play as a similar like free eight eight ten kind of hybrid role in a midfield three like that, and then you're not taking off a guy who gives us such a creative impetus um, while still you know changing the, the shape and structure of the attack. Um, who knows? The possibilities are limitless. Well, it's just, like I said, it's nice to see us trying uh, trying something different. And it is a little, I mean, we talked about it, we touched on this earlier, but it's just a little shocking to see Conte kind of throw the kitchen sink at this game in a way that he hadn't before. And I understand he wanted to win it, but, it, you know, it's not like we were playing Chelsea or something. But um, Basuma in particular, it was, it was nice to see him get a prominent role off the bench in this game. How do you feel about his performance, Brian? I mean, I think, like I said, it's, I don't... He didn't do much. I I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean he had 18 minutes on the field, I think, and I don't recall anything particularly special or interesting that he did. I think he was fine, um, and I don't know, totally fine. Yeah, do you have anything you want to say about Basuma? Because I also can't point to a, a Basuma moment that I was like, oh, wow, so glad Basuma's here. I mean, to me, it was, and this, I don't know, this almost sounds cliche, it was the general energy he sort of lent everything, and it was, you know, all of a sudden he's cleaning other stuff up, and Hoiberg, I mean, you, I think I, you really noticed it, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Bentecourt and Hoiberg are really getting forward all of a sudden, and you almost noticed it by what everyone else was doing as opposed to him, and I don't think that's, you know, I, I suspect that Conte was probably very happy with that. That's probably what he wants out of that. Um, you know, and, and coming on the heels of Conte saying, basically he needs to figure out how to work in my tactical system. I would hope that's a positive because, you know, we all saw how good Basuma was at Brighton and it'd be, you know, nice to see a little bit, like you said, he's not the most dynamic in terms of like, he's not the most creative midfielder, but he is dynamic. And having a guy like that on the pitch, I think, can only benefit us either in terms of defensive cover or in terms of just getting up and down the pitch. Because we've seen him sort of, you know, 
be that sort of you see him sort of crash the box against us when we played him at Brighton. So I think there's a lot of value there, and I'm just sort of pleased to see him have a successful performance for us. I thought the thing that was interesting about bringing Basuma on was that we didn't bring on Oliver Skip. And so I guess I guess for me it was interesting in that how Conte is looking at his midfield hierarchy and who he sees as able to do what. Um, because, you know, at, at the point that Basuma finally comes on, uh, it is, it's 4-2 at that point. Um, so you have to kind of think it's out of reach at that point and you know that maybe that would have been a good time to it was just three two no he comes on right after we score the fourth nope son hadn't scored his hat trick yet or any goals yet until basuna came on am i crazy yes i'm looking i'm looking at understat right now and it says 72 hungman son first goal ivan paris at yellow card dacian kulisevsky off for basuma Weird. Okay, I believe you. So, unless you get, I don't know, whatever. Understat could be wrong. It's happened before. Um, so I don't know. I, I it would have been interesting to see Skip come on just to because I haven't seen him in six months or nine months, um, and it probably would have been a fine time to get him some run out there in a game that doesn't really matter at that point. But um, you know, I don't know. I I, I think. Like you said, Greg, the Basuma's the notable thing about Basuma was that he did free up other people to do other stuff. I, I, with Skip, you got to think it's a, it's kind of like Doherty. There's a health issue going on there. Uh, we know. I mean, Conte said he liked Skip a lot last year. They signed him an extension. You hope he's not just saying that to make people happy. But I would imagine we'll see Skip when we did. He say he was expecting Skip and Doherty after the international break, I believe. So. I think we'll see more of them. And it would honestly help if we can just rotate these guys a little bit more. And I think, you know, Skip and I think Basuma, and to a lesser extent, Skip, give us a little bit more drive going forward. So it'll be, you know, the energy on the pitch. That'll be, it'll be nice to, at a minimum, turn to it later in matches. So um, what do we think of, uh, you know, the most recent graduate of the Super Soldier program, uh, Ryan Sessegnon, you know, who is unable to control his massively inflated muscular body now? It's... Uh, I thought he played another pretty fine match. I, I, I remain a little surprised that Conte likes him so much, just given how raw and unsuccessful he was at Spurs. I would have thought that would be a position Conte would sort of demand, you know, someone like Perisic in place of him for. I'm, I'm a little shocked that, you know, he's fit so prominently into Conte's plans. But what do we think of Sessegnon's performance? I don't think it was the highs of, you know, his Southampton and was a Fulham games that he played really well in mm-hmm. um but he was good like he was he was he was good uh he's again looking just faster which i did, was like a thing that i was surprised to see him become a faster person i feel like that doesn't really that's not really how that works usually you're just like either you're a fast guy or you're not but it seems like he's becoming more of a fast guy uh that's nice. I think the problem, or not it's a problem for Sessegnon, but the problem for Conte is that his two best wingbacks are both left wingbacks. And so this match was, I guess, him trying to find a way to get those two best wingbacks on the field. And, um, you know, for the first, I don't know, what, 25, 30 minutes, Perisic is on the right, 
And then at, towards the end of the second half, he, he swaps him over and Sessignon plays on the right. And that was much better, uh, I thought, than than what we'd started with. But, I mean, yeah, Sessignon continues to be good and versatile. And he's got uh, – I don't know that he's faster necessarily, um, but I think he's definitely improved, like, his initial burst, which I think is definitely something that you can, you know, train or improve, like – you know, the, the, you can get better at quick accelerations and stuff like that. And and that would go hand in hand with his, you know, super soldier, super muscle uh, situation that he's got going on. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that has been uh, a really nice surprise in, in terms of him and, and just, you know, because we talked so much last year about he had kind of like an old man game where he was strong and he was positionally sound. And like this year he's developed a little bit of burst and like, I think it makes him a better wingback. It makes him, you know, uh, certainly more of a threat in the attack. And, and you know, we, we were used to Danny Rose style wingbacks where they have just like running forward and then just had the pace to recover and get back. And, you know, Sessignon just wasn't that. But he's 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 improved a lot this year. And uh, and like Ben said, this wasn't like his one of his high, like amazing performances, but. Uh, if he plays like this every week, that's great. Yeah, it wasn't Chelsea. So, like <laughs> that. Yeah, but if you can, like, reliably put Sessignon on against and, like, him control his side of the pitch against, like, two-thirds of the Premier League or three-fourths, whatever it is, like, I, I'm more than ecstatic about that. Especially yeah, given how he was great. his first two years with us. I mean, where he's contributing virtually nothing, so. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of, like, wing back that are lockdown defenders or, you know, against all of the best attackers in the league. I think, I think Sessegnon gives you at least, you know, competence in, in that regard where, you know, you're not giving up, you know, decent attacking production for the defensive competence in the same way that you would with like, I don't know, Emerson Royale. Who actually like settled things down when you came on, it must be said. So again, like he's a great late game sub because, you know, he comes on and you if you don't need to go forward and you don't need attacking output from him he's great like he is going to you know do the defensive part of the game well he's also going to do the uh ball retention part of the game really well but like if you need him to deliver a final ball that's not going to help so to wrap this one up unless you guys have any more in-game stuff you want to talk about. I wanted to uh, dance on Big Brendan's grave for a minute. Uh, I hate Brendan Rodgers. I think he's been an obnoxious, overrated coach since he was at Liverpool. I was kind of hoping Spurs would have gotten him fired on, uh, uh, over the weekend, but it looks like uh, Leicester's too poor to fire him right now, so he's going to keep on going. Uh, were you guys, were either of you guys in favor of Brendan as a uh, hire for Spurs at any point? Because I feel like he's been linked to us. Was it just when we fired Mourinho, or was it, I feel like he was linked to us when we fired AVB, but I might be misremembering that. He's been linked to us so many times over the years. He was linked to us ahead of AVB. Uh, he was linked to I think he was still at Liverpool when AVB got fired, so he wasn't linked to us then. And oh, then so it was he when was linked to us again when we fired Redknapp then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but then Liverpool hired him, and then he outlasted AVB. And then we looked at him again when we fired Pochettino and again this summer. 
early. That was like an early name. Or two summers. Sorry, ago. not this summer. Two yeah. summers ago, we hired Nuno. So yeah, still, that did work Brandon out. Rogers. That did work out better for us. Yeah, long term. Yeah. I feel like Rogers is just turning into like a modern. I, I don't even. I don't even want to say Harry Redknapp because Harry Redknapp qualified for the Champions League. I guess Brennan has qualified for the Champions League once, so maybe he. Has I mean, like he's Harry won Redknapp. tons of trophies at Celtic. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. You know, in a one-team league, uh, two teams. Sorry, Rangers. Two teams. Uh, no, uh, you know. He's kind of in that weird echelon of, like, decent to good British coaches. And so, like, he's always going to get linked when big jobs or, or top jobs come open. And in the same way that, you know, uh, David Moyes was for a long time or, um, you know, Sam Allardyce was for a long time. You know, when, when these kind of mid-level, you know, top six, top eight Premier League jobs come open – they get talked about, and you know, I don't know what the deal is this season at Leicester. I think it seems at least partially unrelated to Rodgers. Like they bought a backup goalkeeper. That's literally all they did. Well, you know season. how that's you know how no, that's related. They to... got their center back Woot Face or whatever, who son <laughs> demolished uh, with all three of his goals. Oh, okay, I yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell yeah, you how you it's didn't related. Notice that curly-headed fuck out there. No, I noticed him. I just assumed he was somebody that they'd had for forever. (laughs) Um, Because he looks kind of like the other one um, that's no good anymore. Uh, What's his name? Soyuncu. Yep, Soyuncu. So, yeah, I I mean... Well, maybe if Big Brendan didn't, like, fail to get in the Champions League twice in a row, they'd have some money to actually buy some players. But he sucks and got beat by, like, Ryan Mason on the final day of the year. Yeah. I mean, everybody's getting an envelope to tell him that he's disappointed in them, honestly. He's – it's so funny because I feel like this is the second time in his career that he, like – everyone has kind of expected him to take that step into, like, the elite-ish manager, managerial tier. And I guess you could argue he did it for a year at Liverpool, but that probably, in retrospect, has much more to do with Luis Suarez than him. Um But everyone – I feel like this is the second time people were like, oh, he's going to, like, really take that – you know, get to that level and it just is really falling apart here. And while I agree with you, Brian Lester have some specific issues. I do think Brendan has not done a good job with this squad. I mean, they're not performing well. I feel like all this, like this generation of players they brought to like turn over that sort of post title winning squad have like, even the ones who started well, just aren't playing well anymore. Um, I mean, Ben mentioned in DD doc has been a total bust. I, I mean, Maybe not total, but he's not playing to the level they needed him to. They need him to. It's just I don't know. Like Madison's about the only one who's playing well. And it seems weird to me. Like I don't know. I don't know why we're turning this into a Leicester podcast. But That's I, I, I just, about. I just don't know. I, I don't know why they didn't cash in this summer on Madison, Barnes, well, T. Elements, and then just like turn those three sales and presumably like I don't know a hundred and a hundred and twenty million pounds into like six or seven halfway decent guys that you could just like build on. Like, I, I don't know. Like the fact that Dewsbury Hall plays games is weird to me. I don't think he's any good. Um, you know, they've, they've just got a, such a weird group and they've got, you know, so many good players or players that, you know, you would have thought were good a year or two ago. You know, James, Justin, Ben already talked about in earlier. Um, I, I think DACA is really good. 
um, but like I don't know that he's necessarily shown it yet. Ianacho is fine in flashes. Like I, they have a talent. They need to hit on more. And of it's these crazy, guys, though. Like yeah. you said, Brian, for a team that's clearly this broke, they had sellable assets that had a real market. We were interested in Madison. Arsenal were interested in Tielmans. Like they, they had guys that could sell and reinvest in the squad, and instead they said, "No, we're not going to do that." And also, we're not going to reinvest in the squad, and we're just going to hope we don't get relegated. And I, that's an insane way to run a football team. And now it looks like they might get relegated. Well, I just got to say, after watching like Matt Law and all these journalists like write snide tweets and articles about how Brendan Rodgers was too good for Tottenham a couple of years ago, I, I am enjoying this quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I, Brendan Rodgers isn't doing himself any favors in this, and uh, I, it's it's honestly nice to see him fail. Um, but you know, he he's going to have a long career be, because he is going to be a a David Moyes, uh, Sam Allardyce dice type manager that just keeps getting jobs. And I don't know. I mean, so it all culminates him. with him getting the England job when they're at a particularly low point of a cycle. Yeah, I mean, anything is possible. <laughs> well, I, I think that's enough about Lester and Big Brendan, um, who is soon to be on another team. Maybe we could talk about them when he ends up there. Uh, we are uh, going to an international break. Uh, there's no games to talk about. We'll be back, I guess, maybe if Arsenal doesn't try to cancel another game against us. We'll be back for the North London Derby. Uh, but who knows? There might be a trail, there might be a trail, a rail strike, and then or Arsenal might just not want to play us. Who knows? Uh, maybe I'll learn how to talk by the time we get back. Uh, Brian, what, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with before the international break? Um, yeah, uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts on, uh, trail strikes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you have to, you have to subscribe to our Patreon feed in order our to secret, hear those. Our secret Patreon feed. <laughs> that we won't link you and that you cannot find on Google. Um, <laughs> you so. have to find it on the dark web. Yes. So. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, was I supposed to do Twitter handles now? Is that uh, you can do it if you want. Yeah. What's your Twitter handle? Sure. You can find me on the internet at uh, on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That's Brian with a Y. Ben, do you have any words of wisdom for our um, for our listeners before going into the international break? Solidarity with the trail workers. <laughs> um, you can find me expressing my solidarity at Comrade you Spurs. <laughs> Uh, you know, trails forever, apparently. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at skipjack0079. Uh, don't forget to follow our podcast feed at WDR Podcast. That is WDR as in Wheelie Dealer Radio. And leave us a nice five-star review because I can't talk, so you should make me feel better about myself on the internet. Uh, for Brian, for Ben, for Brett Rainbow, and, of course, for trail workers everywhere, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>